Father, I thank you for the opportunity to learn more about your goodness and greatness today. I thank you and bless you because you are Almighty God, El Shaddai. Father, I ask for a spirit of revelation and wisdom to speak to me and to prepare me now for what you want to show me and teach me today. Holy Spirit, then you put your name in. I ask that you would go before me now and make a way for my heart to be ready and prepared. Show me the things that I need to let go of so I can take hold and step into the new position you have for me. Father, thank you. You are going to bring forth a clearer picture of my identity in you. I'm going to walk forward into a new love relationship with you. You're going to stir my heart with such love and tenderness that it will bring forth a new desire in me that cannot be contained. A desire to step into everything you intend for my life. Thank you, Father, you're so intentional, so purposeful towards me. Thank you that you have designs on me. You do not want me in a stuck place, but going forward with you into this new season of life that stands before me. Now, if you're bold enough to pray that, and please, as I said, don't pray it if you don't feel it. You can pray it if you're frightened, if you're nervous, pray that fine. <laughs> I think I figured I've got two, two a table here. These, these are the written out. I have a tendency, as you will have noticed already, to um, write prayers and read them. It's very biblical, very scriptural. Um, what do you call it? Spontaneous prayer is fine. Um, but there are times when you need to think out what you're going to say. And in these days, God needs us to be intentional towards him. So that uh, that's what this is all about. I'm making a bit of a... Is it because I'm getting near the thingy? I'll turn it off a minute. Okay, so anyone who wants to pray this prayer, um, it'd be good to stand up because you're actually. Come have a seat, sweetheart, Molly. aware that you're, this, is, this has got nothing to do with me. I'm out of it here. I'm just the Balaam's ass this morning that God, as Graham Cook was say, has chosen to speak to you. I'm aware that there is nothing in me, but this is business with him. So if you feel you can actually pray that. Thank you, dear. If you can see it. <laughs> and that's why I've stuck a couple of copies on the table, because if you can't see it, um, then off you go, I'll pray it with you. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to learn more about your goodness and greatness today. I thank you and bless you because you are Almighty God, El Shaddai. Father, I ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to speak to me and prepare me now for what you want to show me and teach me today. I, Susan, ask that you would go before me now and make a way for my heart to be ready and prepared. Show me the things that I will need to let go of so I can take hold and step into the new position you have for me. Father, I thank you. You are going to 
to bring forth a clearer picture of my identity in you. I am going to forward a new love relationship with you. You are going to stir my heart with such love and tenderness that it will bring forth a new desire in me that cannot be contained. A desire to step into everything you intended for my life. Thank you, Father. You are so intentional, so purposeful towards me. Thank you that you have designs on me. You do not want me in a stuck place, but going forward with you into this new season of my life that stands before me. Amen. Well done. He will take you at your word. And as I said, the whole of today is about you doing business with him. Um, so for those who didn't hear, um, if you feel any time you want to go over to the table there, there's clay, there's Play-Doh, there's pencils, um, there's things for you to work out what's saying. On your tables there's paper, uh, the pens are over there. If you feel God is speaking to you, write it down um, for your own benefit so that you know what he's saying to you in these times because this is essentially uh, if you're going to come from the spirit of an orphan to the spirit of a son you need to start relating to the father yourself you can't do it through a third person can't do it for you but I say there's play-doh over there um, there's all sorts of things there's cushions and things if you want to sit down uh, so if you feel you want to go over there it's, it's entirely up to you you do just exactly what you feel now I'm going to embarrass Gina and I'm going to read her word which God told me this morning to take the word of Gina that he gave her on the 2nd of January this year. Some of you may not be aware that we are in a completely new era in God and things are speeding up. Um, there is no time left now for us to hang about. He loves us. Some of you may have seen the two pathways um, that Chris Larkin put out last year. And it speaks of there being two particular ways that the people of God are going at this moment. But in my experience here right now, I, I am having the Lord giving opportunities to people to make those choices um, so that they know what they're letting themselves in for, if you like. So really, if you like, you've got the easy way and the hard way. So you get to choose which way you go. He won't love you any the less, whatever choice you make. But my duty, my job here, is to be a prophetic voice so that you hear. You can't make a choice unless you're given that opportunity. So here we go. To say to me for 2008, this is what he said. And incidentally, the next conference, no, the next baton is the 31st of May. And it is a, is this title is Mobilising the Army of God. In that you will find out what spiritual warfare really is, how to position yourself, how to pray, to learn a completely new way, uh, because the way that we've been taught is us charismatics or Pentecostals, whichever, probably the Anglicans not been taught anything at all, so that's fine. They've got an empty slate. They can start. Uh, you know, wherever you're at, uh, you can pick up on that if you want to. It's the 31st of May and it's in here. 
So, the Lord said, You were asked by Beryl what you felt most about the coming year, and you answered it would be more of what I had to say and less of what people say. That's right. You also said you had the impression that I was moving people into place in the army. Also correct. Because of believers like you, who are really beginning to focus on me and what I have to say and what I'm doing, this is going to happen quickly. I'm strategically placing people where I want them. My army is being mobilized. But I will say that to those who will not take their places, they will be, but I will say that those who will not take their places will be left behind. I still love them very much, but they will not be allowed to hinder my move. My army will mobilize and you will all fight and walk in unity. But those that don't take up their places will be left in their armchairs. They will not be allowed to hold back those of you who are moving forward and being mobilized. However, keep on loving them and praying for them, even if they turn against you and slander you. Keep humble and accountable to each other and please don't get to a place where any of you believes you have it down pat. That's my why, why my word says you all know in part. You need each other to bounce things off and to be corrected. I don't care what level of responsibility I have given any one of you. None of you has it all, amen. There are times when you get it all wrong. And that's when you need to accept correction. Pride is not something I will tolerate. Pride says, I know it all, I never get it wrong. Pride says, who are you to tell me anything? Only God can. Well, just so the record is set straight, I do show others to tell each one of you the things you cannot see. There are things that each person cannot see about themselves, and I do show others to bring a word of correction and direction. Those that become so proud that they believe no one can tell them anything have it so wrong. The problem with pride is that it blocks even my voice. So that's when I use someone else to bring the word. Now when any one of you is told anything, don't accept it just like that. That's not what I'm saying. Because there are also those that bring a word as coming from me when in fact it's their problem with you. But when a word is brought to you about something to do with you, pray and fast until you get convicted as to whether it's something I'm bringing to your attention. In these days it is imperative that you are so sensitive and focused in minds and spirit, soul and body, so on guard as to any attacks coming at you and from you, so on guard as to what is in your heart, your responses, your actions and thoughts, because times are getting darker and darker and those truly following me in spirit, soul and body must have no darkness in them. I am not saying this to put you all in fear, but I am saying this as a warning of what is ahead. It doesn't mean I'm going to hit you with a bolt of lightning when you don't get it right. My grace and mercy are always there for you. But it does mean that anyone who does not walk in love and humility and has a heart choice will be left behind. Just as Moses, who was a great servant of mine, did not get into the promised land, so you will be with me in heaven ultimately. But you cannot see the fulfillment of the promise here on earth. Just keep staying close to me, keep calling on me, and do not despise the words of your brothers and sisters, but test them and see if there is any merit in them. My army will be an army of lovers. They will love and give love always. It will be love that defeats the darkness and through this love you will all walk in unity.
When there are disagreements, you will talk them through and resolve them, not take offence with each other. That doesn't mean you will all remain in the same place together. For some of you have places other than where you are now, but the point is it doesn't matter where you are placed physically, because spiritually you are one. As Paul, my apostle, said when he was in prison, he was there in spirit at Colossae. That's the point. The physical realm isn't the important one. The spiritual realm is. Do not take offence, but walk in love. And if a brother or sister does take offence and goes, bless them on their way and let me work on them. Sometimes these things happen because people have stuff they need to work through and I will work through it with them and they will eventually be reconciled but only if they are willing. Some won't be, and you have to let them go. It's a matter of the heart. Sometimes their offence is justified, for they are not listened to, and in those instances I have to work on your stuff, so you reconcile with them. Ultimately what I am saying is walk in love and humility. Stay open and vulnerable, no matter how hard, and just keep following me and my lead. Your heart's cry has to be my heart's cry of I only say what the Father says and I only do what the Father does. Go in peace, my children. Stay close to me always. But none of you are God. None of you are me and know all things. Remember that and you will not go far wrong. Remember that without me you can do nothing, but with me all things are possible. Walk in love and humility as I am love and humble. And always remember, I love you with a deep passion. I will give you all the strength and courage you need. I will never leave you. I am always by your side. I am the vine and you are the branches. You get your life, strength and growth from me. Keep grafted in and you won't go far wrong. Step back into me and let me be your covering. Let me hide you in the shadow of my wings and you will soar like eagles for me. You will be my mighty united army. Can you hear the sound of marching feet? Can you hear a mighty stamp as millions of feet stand to attention for me, your captain of the hosts? And with you stand many, many of my angels. You have all the help you will ever need and more. Open your eyes and believe, my beloved ones. These are some of my words for 2008. Uh, follow that, really. So this whole business of um, slavery to sonship is spiritual warfare. Uh, submission isn't an option, it's the only place of safety. And essentially what we're talking about when we talk about slavery to sonship is submission to the will of God. Um, I was reading Deuteronomy this morning before I came out and they're a rebellious lot. I won't make any comment about that. They're a rebellious lot. So, I'll just write, read to you what God gave me this morning. This is spiritual warfare. As you make your choices to align yourself with my will, you're coming out of the kingdom of darkness and taking ground from the enemy. The ground you gain will be contested. It has to be. Or you will not learn to stand. Because there are two things. There is a training ground, which is what this is, and a proving ground, 
and then of course there's the battleground and none of us have gone on to that yet so God allows in his wisdom what he could easily prevent by his power and the question for you today is how long am I going to be lunch for the enemy because what we are doing in healing conferences is taking you back is taking back the inner territory that has been under the enemy's occupation illegally any area of your life that's not surrendered to God is legally the enemy's territory so he will encourage you to go your own way do your own thing plan your own life be your own boss that's what he'll encourage you to do because all the time that he's doing that he has you in his territory and he has your inner territory I'm not talking about anyone having a demon here but any area in your life that isn't under the subjection of the Holy Spirit is under the subjection of another spirit and he is the Prince of Darkness it was interesting because as I read this morning I came into the bit about the giants in the land which is another teaching altogether but we've all got giants in, our la in, the, in the land I'll just straight off of my uh, <coughs> notes, I like it I can find it, I'll just read you the giants that are in the land and then you can figure out for yourself where's the giants Lord here we are <coughs> these are seven giants, I've identified a few more look good, feel good be right, stay in control have a hidden agenda uh, take personal advantage what's in it for me and remain undisturbed so they're just seven of the giants that are in the land um, that we are seeking to possess so ooh, lost me doodah popped off what am I doing I know what a doodah is so the question is are you prepared to change that is really the question I want to put another one of these up there. Turn me off for a minute for that. You can't make choices, you know, unless you're fully informed. And my observation of the church in these days is it is far from fully, in, fully informed. So it's the last days and there is an urgency in my heart. Jesus is coming soon and the bride must prepare herself. So I would say, behold the goodness and severity of God. And some of what I say may seem severe to you, but it's only to bring you to a place of compliance to the will of God. So sit still under the hand that hurts sometimes. We are so behind in our own growth and we desperately need to make up time. Revelation 19.7 says the marriage supper of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. And today is part of the preparation of the bride. So God may turn up the heat a little bit to remove a few spots and wrinkles. A little bit of pressure on the spots and a little bit of heat to iron out the wrinkles. So activate your wills in this. Acquaint yourself, it says in Job 22:21, with God and be at peace. I'm going to turn that off. You've got a good idea of what's up there, haven't you? I'm probably going to raise more questions for you than I answer today. 
um, because if the whole business about end time theology and the imminent doctrine of imminency is not in your thinking, then it, it's going to make you think, well, I've never heard of any of this. Well, beloved God is kind. Um, so we will be looking at it uh, in the fullness of this year, I don't doubt, sometime. So don't get in a dither about it. As I said, I am going to make you work today. And the first question I want you to uh, consider is uh, to ask the Lord, what lies am I be believing? What lies am I believing? You've got a piece of paper and a pencil on your table there. The, the pencils and pens are over there. Some more paper here somewhere. If, if you're short of paper, I have some here. Um, pencil paper here <laughs> help come peel a piece peel a piece so what lies am I believing the root of the orphan spirit and the spirit of slavery is believing things about yourself that are not true so you identify them and use your will to decide whether you're going to believe them or not anymore. And God will do the rest. But the first move is yours. So, off we go. You should have found on your table a seed together with a heart. So help yourself to one of those. They're both yours. Little pink heart, courtesy of Gina. And a little seed, courtesy of a melon. No, it wasn't a melon. It was a pumpkin. Tell a lie my mouth out with soap it was a pumpkin and the pumpkin seeds have got some lovely sort of silvery uh, skin that is moving on them now as I said to you before any time you want to start going over there and start working on the dollops of clay or the lovely play dough that Joyce made any time just, uh, just go over there and because we've just done a, um, a weekend school I think it was Friday through Monday those of you who were there will remember the, the duration of it and we started off by, by working clay and seeing how malleable our hearts were before God brought some very interesting stuff up that did. Uh, whether we actually are able to be moulded in the hands of God or whether we resist him. The play-doh is ever so squidgy and soft. Just squeeze that, stick your thumb in it, that's bit such fun. <laughs> but the, the clay is something else again. So everybody made something and let it air dry and then they took it home to uh, consider further. I think we had a good time. So the root of the orphan spirit and the spirit of slavery is believing things about yourself that aren't true. So you identify them and you use your will to decide you aren't going to believe them anymore. So you've got your seed and you've got your heart because the reason for those are that God has given you both of those. He's given you a divine DNA, that's the seed, part of his divine nature. You all have it, and he has given you a new heart. He says so in his word. So what we're going to learn today is to start using these two things rather than the distorted equipment of the fall. No one tells us when we're born again that what God wants us to do and to have is a complete transformation of our thinking, our minds. Because what we think, what we believe, will govern our worldview, how we see ourselves and others. It will affect our relationships, often negatively. 
so that a complete transformation of our mind is absolutely imperative if you've never heard this before Romans 12.2 tells you this do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might test and approve what is the good, acceptable and perfect will of God for you so the only way you can do it is by having your mind transformed and renewed and the word transformed here is the word metamorphosed which is what we use of a butterfly a metamorphosis so God wants you to break out of that chrysalis that old way of thinking and become a beautiful butterfly there's a dear little book that's not walked off from my shelf it's got these little legs he's walked off it will walk back again it's titled Lord I felt like a worm for so long it's hard to believe I'm a butterfly and it, it details a conversation between the Lord and a lady who'd had all these negative thoughts about herself and he suddenly started taking her to task and responding to her thoughts. Uh, the truth when it comes is often negative so I may well offend some of your views and opinions and mindsets about who God is and how he feels towards you today. You may say to me, that isn't what the Bible says. Could I suggest that it's the way in which you've looked at the word that's made it seem harsh and judgmental? If any of you are under that, where every time you read the word it gives you a dose of judgment and condemnation, your glasses need changing and your worldview may need changing. I see the enemy will do everything he can to keep you out of the word of God. My, 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 my. If he can keep you out of that, he's got you. That is your one weapon. Jesus just used that, didn't he, when he was in the wilderness. So uh, I know that your worldview can need change, you know, you wouldn't be here. So it's all change, really. And as they say on the railway, mind the gap. And the gap is the one between your head and your heart. God doesn't worry a bit about offending our minds to get to our hearts so you might feel offended at first, good that means something is happening something is wrong with your thinking and something is moving so stick with it, good will come out of it you might find a battle going on inside you I want so much to believe this but it goes against everything that life has taught me everything I have been taught, all I have understood I'll have to throw everything out that I understood about Christianity and being a Christian. Good. If it's wrong, you don't want to hold on to it, do you? I mean, truly, you do not. If you have a, a wrong view of what God is like and the scriptures, and that can even spill over into a wrong view of him being a sugar daddy. Because that has happened with the renewal movement. Papa is just someone who allows me to do anything. Mm -mm. he doesn't allow me he put the fear of God up me this morning when he gave me this word I was frightened it's healthy to have a fear of the Lord you must have it behold the goodness and severity of God one of the great things that is missing in the church of Jesus Christ is the fear of the Lord that's not oh my goodness he's going to whip me any minute now strike me with a bolt of lightning like um, Jesus' word said he's not going to hit us with a bolt of lightning but any of us who've brought children up you know we don't expect when they're 23 they're sticking their porridge on their head 
the weekend I've just done was all about growth, the growth process. It was called In the Hands of God, and I hadn't got a clue what the Lord wanted to do. And what he did was he took us from the baby stages, the nepios, the baby, the, the, the baby without speech on the breast only, only can take milk. You know, the church can't take meat. It's like we're all walking around, we're 35 years old, and the Lord's still on the bottle. And lovingly saying, can I have that? I want to give you a bit of steak. It's time for the shepherd's pie. <laughs> oh, that was nice, Lord. <laughs> Making you a shepherd's pie. So the first thing that I want to do is to teach you another language. You're going to enjoy this. It's the language of love. If I can get you repeating the first few words... You'll pick it up day by day as you build on it. Your first words are, I am worth the price God paid for me. Well done. You can hear the ones that have been there on a Wednesday. <laughs> so now I want you to say, I am worth the price God paid for me. Come along now. I don't care whether you believe it or not, you just need to say it. <laughs> For me, that was the hardest thing to get out of my chops. I could not. Everything in me resisted it. Yep, I'm worth the price God paid. Brilliant. Is anybody actually having trouble saying that? Believing it? No, you've got a good sense of self-worth, have you all of you? That's all right then. What you hear on a savoury to sunship conference for then? <laughs> If you know who you are, you shouldn't be here. <laughs> oh, you are having difficulty. It's totally foreign, really. We're taught that we're sinners and we have to mind our P's and Q's, whatever they are, and that God is watching us closely. Just to catch us when we put a foot wrong. Some of us might be a bit on from that, but there's still room for improvement. That'll be a bit of fun. <laughs> They ended up tying that up with a handbag last time. <laughs> so because of the fall, we run, we hide, we defend ourselves, we excuse ourselves, we're fearful, defensive, and sometimes downright aggressive towards God's overtures because we cannot believe that he can love us because we don't like ourselves very much. And look at all our faults and failings. Surely we must have to do something like the school report dry harder. Anybody ever have that on theirs? I did. Always on my, yeah, that's it. A pleasant member of the form all the time, but could try harder. That's it. Has the ability, but won't work. A pleasant member of the form, in other words, always playing about. <laughs> Mine was a long while ago. So the language I want to teach you today is the language of love and not the way the world understands it. Not the love you've always understood it, but the love, that the way God understands it. In Isaiah, um, I think it's, I've got the wrong reference here, is it 50, 8 to 11? My ways are not your ways. 55, that's the one. I've left a 5 out on the notes. Uh, my ways are not your ways, neither are my thoughts your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down and water the earth and cause it to bring forth and bud, so is my word that goes forth from my mouth. 
It will not return to me void, but will accomplish that which I purpose and the thing for which I sent it. I had a revelation of this verse a few years ago when God clearly said to me, my ways of love are not your ways of love. His love will always bear fruit and bring forth something good. Always. But the world's way of loving is to acquire, possess and control. If you think about it, our love is very, very self-centred. I remember realising this years ago, long, long, long time before I was a Christian, how selfish my love was. That I wanted my husband for my purposes to fulfil what I wanted, not for his good, but mine. So if we start to examine our ways of love, we'll find that, it, that they are, they are the, the Eros system, the world system. The book that I quoted from just now is The Agape Road, The Journey to Intimacy with the Father by Bob Mumford. You can get this off of the internet, those of you who have uh, it. It's a workbook. Um, I'm praying about whether I should do um, a series, you know, with people coming to, to work through it. Because we do have to examine ourselves and be real with ourselves. So we're born with self-referential love. What's in it for me? This is where we really have to get down to the nitty-gritty of, of admitting what we're like. We imbibe it with our mother's milk and then we go on to live it out through the rest of our lives, whether we become Christians or not. And we operate inside or outside the church setting in self-referential love. Is this the reason, do you think, why people feel controlled, manipulated, stifled and fill in your own blanks in church settings sometimes. Why they don't they feel they don't fit and that they should have they should they have different ideas from the leadership and why they are told they are rebellious and out of step if they do. In this very church building where we are here, from the pulpit, the vicar said something along the lines of mavericks in the congregation. Joyce not say. <laughs> Nothing to do with the map. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, and the Lord said, Go on. <laughs> Doesn't mind calling a spade a spade and not an agricultural implement. <laughs> so it's not a criticism uh, of church leadership or anything like that, but it's a description of the new thing that God is doing. That new thing is going to pave the way for His goodness kindness and love to be manifested which is shown in a very very real way to the world out there we cannot win the world while we're like them your own human love will run out very very quickly you will not be able to do it come and live with us in community for the world and see it's no good your, your love won't do it. Only the love of God will cut it. And as we are allowing ourselves by the Holy Spirit to let him have more room, he showed me the other day, he said, I don't like being in a box. I don't like being in a box. Most of my children have got me in a box. My knees are up under my chin and I can't stretch. I like, he said, to stretch out. Now, if he's going to stretch out, something's got to go. The box and what that part of you 
that is preventing him stretching because it is us that keep him in the box we won't let him stretch out in our lives because there are areas that he done ain't going to have any control over thank you very much I'll keep control of that area myself we don't say it in those terms but when he begins to start saying well how about this? can we talk about this that's a no go area I can handle that thank you he may be speaking to some of you in a minute so we can't win them while we're like them. We have to begin that transformation of our thinking in order that we, the ambassadors for Christ, actually represent him as he really, really is and not how we think he is. And that will require a paradigm shift in our thinking. Got to put my lady up again. Always got her, haven't I? Here she comes. Those of you who have been before know her. There she is. Now who are you seeing? An old crone or a lovely girl? Yeah, you can see them both? Yeah. The, the, the old crone's nose is the, is the chin of the young girl. So you're seeing the young girl now, are you? You've moved over then, haven't you? No, you're just, it's just an example. is to show you the paradigm shift that God is making in his church. Because actually we're like an acne-ridden old hag, as Graham Cook would say at the moment. But the transition that God is making is to this beautiful woman. So we have to allow ourselves to, to move. There's a paradigm shift in the church. We have to move. The wake-up call. Everywhere you look, if you're uh, involved with anything prophetic, you'll hear the wake-up call. Got something from Crosby and Wilma. Awaken. They're feeling there's a world global sense of awakening. So I told them about Chris Larkin. And Wilma came back and said, hmm, have you seen the two pathways? Yeah, you've seen that one as well. <laughs> so there she is. That's the shift we're trying to do from the old crone and our old way of looking at things to the beautiful woman. So as I said, the major thing is to bring us to the place where we see him as he really, really is and not how we thought he is. And that's where the transformation process begins. The biggest hindrance to a life of faith is a rational mindset. Everything has to be analysed and agreed with according to our inner value system. And the problem is, that system is fallen. It's not the yardstick by which we should measure. Because as we think, examine and measure new concepts, they're thrown out because they don't compute with the rational mind. And in so doing, faith is destroyed. The problem, beloved, is between our ears, your mind. You didn't think your way into faith when you believed on Jesus for salvation. Your heart moved towards his unconditional offer of acceptance, love and freedom from your sinful nature. And the way that we come in is the way we go on, by faith. Everything is by faith. Your mind is either your friend or your enemy. 
Either way, it needs to be renewed. If it is your friend, it will excuse you every time you are convicted of something. Oh, well, you know, poor old you. You deserve that. You shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to go through that. No, after all, not fair, not nice, not good. So if it's your friend, that lovely puppy dog, Joyce had a picture, no, she had a dream. Was it a dream or a picture? Dream. She was up a hill, and suddenly she slid down this hill. And at the bottom, there was this lovely black dog, all friendly, waiting for her. Thing is that she doesn't like dogs, but this one was very friendly. And it jumped up and patted her, wagged its tail, so pleased to see me, she says. I said, yeah. You know what that was, don't you? No. So I said, well, let's pray about it then, as we do. And we prayed about it. And of course, the black dog was her old nature. She'd slipped from being in the transformation of her mind and walking in the spirit to sliding down and meeting with the old dog at the bottom of the hill, who was ever so pleased to see her. He always is when we go back into his territory. So if it's your enemy, your mind, it will condemn you all the time. You just never do enough, you're never good enough. And beloved, both of these are fruits of a fallen mind. As a man speaks in his heart, so is he, Peter Horobin used to say. You are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. So something needs to change. Do you need me to stop for a Right. I'm going to make a declaration over you now. Words are very, very important. If you're given to being negative about anything, about yourself or anything, you're going to reap what you're sowing in terms of words. So it's important that I speak good words over you in order that you begin to believe what you're hearing. And the de declaration is this. I declare that you are the beloved of God. He's looking at you now with absolute intention. He's going to blast his way through every object, every objection, every wound. He's going to heal any scar tissue. He's coming after you with absolute intention and you will not stop him from loving you because this is about him declaring who he is going to be for you. He has designs on you. There is an intimacy in God's heart that cannot be held up any longer. It is critical to the revelation of the kingdom, but right now it's about you being radically loved. God, as your lover, as your beloved, is coming after you with romantic intent. I declare that you are free to respond to him in a way that you have never responded before. Your history is irrelevant. There is something outrageous coming out of heaven that is going to capture the church. It's so profound, so majestic, we haven't even dreamt about it. There is a place in the affections of God where you are going to be swept away. Isn't that what you want? Yes. To be swept away? Yes. Yes. To be yes. so radically yes. affected yes. by God that yep. you have to learn a new language and have to have your eyes touched and then language to speak out what you're seeing. I release you to see yourself in a way you have never seen yourself before. 
He will give you an experience of him. Granted, he says, in Jesus' name. Let's let your heart go to another place. Let yourself go. God is saying you are no longer defiled. You are pure. You are spotless. You are free. I see you as pure. You're my virgin because my blood has cleansed every part of your heart, your mind, your body. My blood is like acid to sin, it dissolves it. You are not defiled, you are pure, you are my virgin bride. You are holy and beloved, clean, you're clean. By the washing of water and the word, pure, righteous, holy. You're my virgin, undefiled, separated to me, belonging to me. I see you. I declare to you the past no longer has anything to do with who you are now. You are free. You are so free. You are free to see yourself as I see you. I don't see anything wrong with you. All I see is beauty. You are so beautiful. Undefiled. You are a new creation. All the old has passed away. Everything has been new for a long time. You are so new. Revel in your cleanness. Revel in your purity. I'll help you with all the stuff. I have given you a safe place in my heart. You can adore me because I adore you first. Are you not my beloved? You're mine. You're mine. You're my woman. You're my woman. You're clean, pure, and you're beautiful. Permission has been granted to you to live a life overwhelmed by the goodness, the love, the grace, the majesty, the sovereignty, the purposes of God. So what was your reaction to that? If you're not flat on the floor? If you had a reaction, write it down. Go to the table, have a sweetie. Just respond to what he said to you. In whatever way you want. But you need to respond. Let your heart go. As I said, the reason the table is over there is because Play-Doh and Sweeties, he wants us childlike, not childish. Total difference. It's settled. God's here. He's going to do his part. He wants you free. 
The question is, do you want to be free? That's the question. I don't think it's coincidence that there are children here today. Just to show us. They don't mind making noise, making a mess, screeching, trusting. We've got to unlearn so much of our sophistication. So take a break. Ten minutes. Twenty to one, come back. But engage. and prepared to do his part he wants you free do you want to be free that's the question becoming free will mean you'll need to learn to live in a different way and behave in a different way that's the cost of healing always two battles one to get free and another to stay free every child born into this world was created to be a son or daughter to someone God's eternal plan is to have children for himself. Have them. I love them, he said. I want a family. But it all went horribly wrong. The next thing I'm going to say might not settle too well on you. And it's this. That we're not so much a product of what has been done to us as a product of our simple reactions to what was done to us. I'm not looking today at what's been done to you so much as your reaction to it and the legacy that you currently live with which works against you when you are trying to establish an intimate relationship with the Father. So keep that in mind as we examine some things. I've just seen someone having a daisy chain put on their head and it looks absolutely beautiful dear crowned, beautiful, absolutely lovely, should have worn one before. <laughs> so thinking about that statement, that, it, that, that really we're our own worst enemy is what I'm saying, we hang on to things. Someone said to me this morning they found out there was what the problem was with their husband. He was hanging on to unforgiveness and guess who's miserable? Not the other person. Him. So roadblocks to relationship. Just have a little think about that for a minute. We're not so much a product of what's been done to us as a product of our sinful reactions. Our response to what happened to us may be what is causing our problem with God. We're not so much sinned against as sinning. Don't hear too much about this. I have every right to feel like that. I can't forgive them for what they did or didn't do. Let me tell you, you don't have a right to be wounded. You have a right to be healed. Jesus won it for you. Each of us was created with a capacity to receive love from our parents, both father and mother. Yet many of us cannot say we've been true sons or daughters in our response to our earthly parents, imperfect as they may have been. 
So my main purpose here today is to set you free from yourself. In doing this, what has been done to you will be dealt with as well. Because God's like that. He's always doing exceedingly abundantly above that which we could ask or think. There's absolutely no point in getting you healed and delivered if you retain the same thinking and mindsets. So you'll find yourself back in the same problem with someone else and quite likely it'll be me. So we must do an honest appraisal of ourselves because we are really our own best case study. Examining the history of our relationships is incredibly important. Thinking back through the times of our disappointments, arguments and differences is crucial to development because failure to learn from our mistakes means we are doomed to repeat them again. Mae West, you're all far too young to remember her, said we are pure as a driven slush or she said she was. We need to recognise that and own it, that there are areas in our life where though God sees us as clean and he sees us as clean through the finished work of the cross, we actually have to do a little bit of in, inside uh, examination and cleansing. So be sensitive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit today. If you're feeling guilty, good. Guilt is a friend to bring you to the cross. Repentance, forgiveness and cleansing. Condemnation, on the other hand, is of the evil one. Be sure you know the difference. And regarding our responses, I want to point out at this point there are exceptions. I'm not talking about the extremes of sexual abuse perpetrated by great evil on innocent children. I'm talking about the ordinary circumstances of life which have been blown out of proportion and are now causing your past to become your future. I'm talking about the straightforward rebellion in us, which is a result of the fall. Rebellion runs through us like a, a stick of Blackpool rock has Blackpool running right the way through it. We need to own up and deal with it. My observation is that there is a lot of straightforward rebellion about in the body, hidden under various guises, but it's there nonetheless. So let's grow up, own up, face it, do something about it and move on. Just plead guilty. Steve Sampson used to say, just plead guilty. Didn't no matter what it is, plead guilty. Gets it dealt with. So, submission versus rebellion. We often lose our spirit of sonship, which is the spirit of submission as children, and if not then, in our early teens, and we become rebellious. You know the old saying, I may be sitting down, but inside I'm standing up. We become fiercely independent or self-reliant, taking control of our lives at an early age. The clenched fist says, I don't need you, any of you. Anorexia is often the result of a child wanting to take some sort of control in their lives because they perceive they're being controlled by their parents or someone else, and this is an area they can actually exert control on. We will not submit to anyone, if we're honest. This is why obedience in the, in, to God in the body of Christ is such an issue. We will not, even as Christians, bow the knee to Christ himself. God in his infinite wisdom has, has made me do the part in the baton, you know, on submission to him before he told me to do this conference. 
and those of you who came know it was it was called leaning on the beloved but it was actually about biblical submission because if you can't submit to the one who created you you'll never submit to anybody else he is the highest authority and if your rebellion is actually against him you need to face it and change your position so many many Christians are actually ultimately angry with God himself when you get right down to it that is what the problem is he's not cross he knows what the problem is but it takes like peeling the layers off an onion to find out oh that's where it is you know Corrie Ten Boom she used to do um, with a torch switch it on and it wouldn't go on and she'd unscrew it and go through all the performance taking the batteries out and she'd bring out a little piece of material and she'd say ah oh, love of fashion put that down put the batteries in da, 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 da. Oh, wouldn't go again all through it again oh, that would come a coin ah oh, love of money and so she would go on. <laughs> always something blocking the light I mean <laughs> these things when you do them like with the figures like like uh, working with the clay and things like that so you don't forget the lesson when you actually do it yourself you don't forget it I mean I know what I'm talking about when push comes to shove the person I'm angry with is God as much as I love him if something I remember years and years ago uh, when I was first a Christian something didn't go as I liked it and, and, and I re really had a real argument with the Lord you know I thought it was like, you know, I trusted you in this and now look at the way it's turned out sort of thing. I mean, now I cringe at the thought of the way I talk. But of course, because I was an epios, I was a baby, he let me get away with it. I would not get away with it now, I'm very glad to say. But if I feel that rebellion coming up in here, I have to say to him, Father, this is yours, I'll give it to you. I don't want this. I don't want to react like this. This is what taking every thought captive is about. You give it, don't run away from it, don't think, I could hide this thing. We're all made of the same stuff, we've all got the fall going through us. We're all in the process of coming to be like the Play-Doh, all lovely and soft and squidgy in his hands. So, in childhood we make determinations in avails, come to conclusions about parents and authority figures. In other words, we make judgments, bitter judgments about situations and people. And usually it's, I'm never going to be like that when I grow up. Or in my case, when I get a child, I'm not going to bring it up like my mum brought me up. So I go completely the opposite direction. I've made this vow without realising. Um, I'm reaping what I sowed in some areas with Stephen. Um, but I was determined not to do it like she did. The non-aggressive side of rebellion is passivity, what is known as passive aggression. In this, the aggression is there, but it never surfaces. The person is indolent, lazy, apathetic, can't make choices, grumbles and complains because they leave the choices to someone else and when they make them, they don't like them. I was married to one of them. Is depressed, blames others, won't, sorry Lord, shouldn't have said that won't move and is extremely self-centered and dependent on other people. The weapon against authority figures here is stubborn refusal to hear and obey. For example, uh, mum or dad may say, straighten up your back, it's getting round. My mum used to say all the time, stand up straight, you know, you've got round shoulders. 
The child doesn't say anything, but it doesn't do anything either, and it determines in its heart not to do what it's told. And the result is an adult with a stoop and a hardened heart and ears that can't hear. This is very real. Not so long ago, a dear one I uh, prayed with, very profoundly deaf, uh, getting worse. Thought the reason for the deafness was that they worked with noisy machinery. When we came to, I don't know how it happened, all I know is I was sitting on my delivery stool as I do next to the person when I was praying with them, I suddenly had to uh, ask if they had ever made a determination not to listen. And of course they had. As a child a lot of stuff had been said that was not nice to hear. Speaking negativity over them, calling them all sorts of names, you know, you name it. So they had decided, I'm not going to hear. The moment they forgave the people, uh, I didn't know this had happened, the moment they forgave the people who had been the ones that had spoken these words over them, I went back, sat down, and I just moved my pad, and they said to me, uh, could you not make so much noise with that paper, please? Completely healed. Very powerful. So if God is speaking to you now about inner vows or determinations that you have made and have locked you into patterns of behaviour from which you cannot escape, it's ever so easy to get out of it. So our life's root system and responses are usually formed fully by the age of about six. The root system is in there and the tree continues to grow from there on, adding fruit every year in its season, watered and manured by circumstances which invariably fit the judgment already made. So it just grows stronger. But we shouldn't be surprised at any of this because the major result of the fall was rejection, abandonment, isolation, shame, rebellion on the part of Adam and Eve and self-protection. To name only a few. Where's my uh, lovely Watsit? Let me go with the lovely Watsit. Oh, CD's enjoying all that crackling. I'm frightened I'm going to go over backwards. I'm not used to being on a plinth. This does not make happy reading, but you might, you might identify with something out of the way so as you can see it. This is Cain. This is, this is uh, his uh, reactions to being chucked out of the garden. You can read them for yourself. Uh, you might identify some of them there. Rebellion, anger, stubbornness, unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness. I won't go any further. They're not nice. Moodiness, depression, callousness, lying, evasiveness, fear of... Oh, no, hell no. Pride, covetousness, self-idolatry, and yeah, they're not very nice either, are they? That's the, uh, that's what happened to us. That's our legacy from the fall. Cain, as you know, rose up, killed Abel. So, we're all coming, aren't we, from Cain somehow or other? Or one of his brothers or sisters? So that's what goes through us like a stick of rock. That's the bad news. So 
genetically we are actually predisposed to being victims of rejection and the orphan spirit that's our old seeds in there can't do much about it and we're also genetically disposed to having a spirit of slavery rather than a spirit of sonship it's in the seed if you like we start with three stripes against us so we come into Christianity and God begins to deal with us as sons and we do not like it he desires a loving submission we rebel passively or aggressively under his hand because we haven't fully embraced or maybe we never embraced at all the concept of the new birth and baptism we actually will not have him to rule over us so have a look at your seed and your heart that are on the table and just hold them in your hands for a moment you should all have a seed or a heart if you haven't please come up here and I'll give you one what's the Holy Spirit saying to you through that seed and that heart is he witnessing to your spirit what I've just said and are there things that you need to do business with him about those are new ones you've got a new seed and a new heart which one are you living in the old one or the new one the old one represents the earthly part of us the new ones are the spirit we're meant to live in the spirit so just have a little think and again if you want to go and do anything at the creative table if anybody at this point feels that they've got stuff that they'd like to pray with someone else about would you just put your hand up so as I can see if there's anyone here did you see those right okay thank you um, what I feel inclined to do is to pop you into pairs and get you to pray for each other.